Good morning. I bring greetings from uh, all over the place, it seems like. Uh, Grootley Lager, Tennessee, if you've never been there, uh, it's not too far down the road. I was able to be with them this week through Wednesday uh, in the gospel meeting there. And I uh, always love doing gospel meetings. It's kind of a throwback, unfortunately, these days. Uh, but very enjoyable time, spending time with that community and getting to know those folks. Uh, and then we left out Thursday, headed to Marietta, Georgia, and we were there till yesterday afternoon, came back, and uh, I think I've almost gone maybe a day or two uh, where I did not speak about Jesus <laughs> in the last two weeks. Uh, if you count baccalaureates and graduations and gospel meetings and different conferences and things that I've been able to go to. And it's just a blessing that people are willing to even listen to me. And then you got you wonderful folks who week in and week out set at least set through it. Hopefully you get something out of it. But uh, it has been an interesting week of highs and lows. Um, we were actually recording one of our podcast episodes with uh, Dale and Jeff Jenkins of the Jenkins Institute, which is an institute that encourages preachers. They put out material and uh, they they do surveys among preachers about things we need. And we were talking about things that preachers need to hear. And I couldn't help but think of uh, Bobby. And uh, he was always thumbs up. He's a good sermon preacher. That's uh, what I would get. And so uh, you just never know. Obviously, we don't find our validation in what other people say. Uh, but an attaboy goes a long way for, for anybody. And I couldn't help but think of all the people that don't even know each other, that have encouraged me and kept me kind of putting one foot in front of the other. Uh, there are many, many sermons, especially prior uh, to my time at Heritage Christian University, that I would love to take back. Uh, but uh, there were people along the way who, you know, you'll make a preacher yet, and I'm still working on that. Hopefully I'll get there one day. Uh, but it's always wonderful, and even to the book, many of you have said such wonderful things about our book, and we appreciate that. It's a, a little overwhelming to put something out there in print that's going to be there kind of forever until the world stops spinning, uh, and it, to have such wonderful things said about it. It is a testimony uh, to the wonderful people that surround us and have poured into us and have loved us through some of our uh, hardest times, and so hopefully that's what you walk away with. This, that's a big, huge thank you, uh, and there's still not enough words. It's about a 60,000-word book, and it still seems inadequate for what all you've done uh, through the Lord. As we go into Memorial Day, I uh, can't help but it, mention the sacrifice of those who've given their lives so that we uh, can have safety and liberty, a measure of both, that uh, I believe, to a large degree, the world has never seen before. And uh, so I, I obviously pay honor to that. I do believe the idea of sacrificing one's life for another has never been embodied as well as it is in Jesus Christ. And so that's what we follow. And we may not be serving on the battlefield or manning uh, a station, uh, but we're thankful for all who have, and especially this weekend, those who have sacrificed, made the ultimate sacrifice and so that we can be the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Christ in this country, and so that we can even argue and debate and, and disagree on things, uh, but we have that freedom. And so as we look at Galatians chapter 2, and, and we're going to look at a couple of Paul's writings and kind of bounce around. They're all within a couple of chapters of each other, so it won't be a whole lot of page turning. 
Uh, but it will be a little different. Usually I camp out in a text and that's where we stay. But it will be a little different this morning as we spend our time together. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, uh, he says a very familiar verse. Many of you might could even sing it to a tune. Unfortunately, this is one of those songs that just is blocked in my mind. If, I, if we do the fruit of the Spirit, somebody else has to lead that song because some reason... I just cannot remember all the lines to it, uh, and it's really frustrating. Uh, and so I'm going to read it there, and you feel free to hum along if you'd like. Uh, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And I want to focus on that phrase, the life I now live talked about Memorial Day and the life we get to live is based very highly on the sacrifice of other people. That even people we disagree on, disagree with, people who may not even believe remotely in Jesus Christ who have laid their life down so that we have the life that we now get to live. Now we ultimately as Christians have just celebrated what Jesus did for us by partaking in his body and drinking and remembering that, that fruit of the vine as his blood. And so it's really frustrating to me. And, and earlier this week, I posted about how sometimes I regret my love for history because sometimes it would be awesome to be able to just act like certain things don't happen and that there isn't a playlist that the devil has played throughout history his entire life. It is discouraging to me to see the level of disbelief in the power of of prayer. The, the ironic thing to me is, is a person can post their doubt about prayer, thoughts and prayers, or good vibes, however people put that, on a social media post, which changes very little. And then even go so far to say that policy and change, which I'm not against those things, I'm not against those things, actually make changes. We have policy. We have laws. Paul talks to the power of the law. Yes, it, it is got some need, but it's not what gets us there. It's not what finishes the course. Paul says, I've finished, I fought the good fight, I've finished the course. There's a crown that is laid up for me. Faith is what makes us different from the world. And, and quite literally, that's it. I'm not here to set myself up as an authority of any kind. Uh, I don't have any new content. The phrase is content is king. And I say, yes, Jesus is king. And there's always plenty of content. John tells us, right, that if we used all the paper in the world, it still wouldn't be enough to tell of how Paul puts it, the excellencies of Christ. And so Whitney has had to put up with me and my frustration and my venting my anger over the doubt of the power of prayer this week. Especially as I literally walk around and live because of the strength and power of prayer. And so I'm hoping that the devil doesn't have a foothold with my anger and I'm doing my best to try and hold that back on that thought. But the life we now live, and even people who don't believe, the life they now get to live is because of the grace of Jesus Christ. I think of those lists, right, that we go to about who will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I've been a liar. If I live long enough, I'll probably be another one. Hopefully, if I am, it's out of ignorance and not intention. There's a little difference there. A little. And I've been a disrespecter of my parents. Right? Hopefully those days are behind me. 
I've been on that list. And because of what Jesus did, the life I live now is different and ever-changing and hopefully getting better as life goes along. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, as I read this, as difficult as this is, and I think the first thing uh, of wisdom, maybe not the first thing, the first thing is to believe in God, but one of the aspects of wisdom is the idea of understanding that we do have bias. That every time I come to a situation, I have to understand that there are things that I am pre-reading into this. And even when we have dealings with each other, right, as we enter into conversations with one another, I kind of know where you're coming from. And so we have to admit those things. So what I'm going to ask you to do is do the impossible this morning. As we read this, I want you to try and displace all the things that you know about Jesus, right? And they're like, that's my very being. Yes, exactly. It's only a short practice. I'm going to go right back to it. But to hear the words as best we can for the first time, verses 3 and 4 of 1 Corinthians 15, and how scandalous it really is and how revolutionary. For I delivered to you as first importance who I, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Capital S there, Scriptures. And that's not the New Testament Scriptures, although I think they're authoritative. Obviously, I'm reading them to you this morning. But in this context, that would be the Old Testament, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. It's revolutionary. A dead Messiah makes no sense to a first century human being. When the Messiah was dead, turn out the lights, the party is over. That, that was the strategy. You read the Gospels. If we strike the shepherd, sheep will scatter. That has, that's how it had worked since the beginning of time. The beginning of time. Especially in the Holy Lands, except for one. And all they did was make him stronger. In your weakness, I am made stronger. In our difficulties. That's why that message is so wonderful. Whatever you're going through this morning, there's a message for you in the Scriptures. That he was buried. You may feel that today. I feel buried underneath the weight of all the things that I'm struggling with. Jesus has been buried. Jesus has been buried. You may be sitting there and you may feel like you're between a rock and a hard place. Jesus has been between a rock and a hard place. And he's still rolling stones. He's in that business. And if he could do it on his own without help, the same power that was in him, then what can he do for you with a simple faith? Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. verses 9 through 11. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Does the Spirit of God dwell in you this morning? Because your answer to that determines how you need to listen to the rest of this sermon. 
Because if he's in you, then I'm going to be unleashing and listing all the things that you've got going for you right now. And I'm going to give you all the reasons why you can press on for tomorrow. But if he's not, then we're going to give you opportunity to do your small part in making that happen because of all the wonderful things that he's done. You see, the way the world works is obsolete. The way the world works is obsolete. This is revolutionary. A revolution that didn't need anyone to pick up a sword. A revolution that didn't need anyone to pick up a weapon at all. In fact, Jesus said to the disciples, hey, here's two swords. Yeah, that's good enough, right? This is not how this is going to work, but if it makes you feel better, if it gives you comfort, sure. And so think about the chaos. Think about the book of Daniel and how many times the regime changes and how many people died in that process and how much destruction was in that process. And Jesus comes and says, I'm going to take one revolutionary act. It's going to make everything else obsolete. Why do we feel that tension when we get that message on the app that a brother or sister has passed and it's, oh, sad. But oh, what glory awaits. It's sad for a moment, right? It's embarrassing for a moment. For a moment compared to all of eternity. Paul mentions that as well. It's not even worth talking about. We have all these things. Oh, I'm going to ask the Lord this. I'm going to ask the Lord that. And I'm like, I don't know, right? I mean, we may get there and all that stuff's going to be gone. Like, we might not even touch on it, right? Adam and Eve had a belly button. Who cares, right? I'm kind of that way now. Who cares, right? <laughs> what does that change in the long form of things? It doesn't, but it, it's obsolete. We look at Romans 8, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, I remember the question. I don't know if I'm saved or not. Well, what are you reading? He just told you. Jesus didn't come to, to put you back in slavery. I think of John 8, right? We've never been enslaved to anyone. And Jesus is like, really? I mean, well, you've been enslaved to sin. That's the most important thing. But literally every world power that had ever come to control, Israel had been oppressed by. Like, just go down the list. There are no, like, I don't think there are anything that you can go. Oh, they weren't subservient to them when the time came. And we do that. Oh, this prayer thing is obsolete. Oh, no, there's never been a better communication ever. I don't care how good a smartphone you got. Smartphone 32, it's not going to be better than that. Can't, I don't know why we can't have all of the above. We can do all those things, but prayer's where it starts. It's frustrating. It shows, it shows more about our society than what happened in Texas. And I know that's a bold statement and it's a harsh statement, but I feel it to my core. That in itself, you're telling on yourself when you post things like that. You're saying more about yourself as an individual and your relationship to God than you're saying about anything else. And I'm like, why would you tell on yourself like that? I'll be the first to tell you my prayer life isn't what it should be. I've said that over and over again. I'm trying to repent, right? I've been asking forgiveness. I'm trying to get better. My wife is, I mean, she's just a prayer warrior, right? And most of y'all know that. You've experienced that. And man, every day I'm like, man, one day I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be like, Whitney, 
one of these days I'm going to get there. We're not, we're not created. We're not, Jesus didn't come to make us fearful of our destination. He came to give us hope, the true, de- earnest expectation of how this is all going to end. And I pray if nothing else, you leave here this morning going, hey, Jesus has got this. Jesus has got this, and yes, we're called to live for Him in this moment, and we need to be finding the best pathway. But the best pathway always starts with Jesus. Always. If it doesn't start there, there's your red flag. This is not a good place to start. Mankind, we've been, as Paul says, we've been on the ground trying to figure out what's going on all of our life, and Jesus reached out and turned the light on and said, this is how it should be. And part of our angst at all of the situation is that statement. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And every time we feel that way, realize that there's a struggle there, there's a tension there, because we are the kingdom in quite literally in some ways invading a fallen world. And they're not going to like it. And they're going to hate it. And they're going to try to crucify it. And we've made a commitment. But if that be the case, then we're all in. 21 through 22. That the creation itself be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Notice again, the freedom of the children of God. Now, as a sacrificial child of God, I don't live out all of my freedoms. I'm going to become all things to all men so that they may be brought to Christ. Paul says, I'm, I'm, I've got all kinds of freedom. I can do quite literally everything compared to the way what the things I used to could not do. But if I need to hold back those and I need to sacrifice, then I will for the betterment of the kingdom. He's got some bold statements. Go ahead and read Romans 9 for you. I've done it before and I'm not quite there. I'm still not there with Paul about giving up his own, that he would be accursed. I'm not, I'm not there yet, guys. But the beautiful thing is, is that doesn't have to take place. There's room for all of us, y'all. There's room on that bus for everybody because I'm not the one who created it. Verse 28 through 30, there's a word here, a phrase, and I want you ladies not to be cut off by it because I think it means brothers and sisters, but 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, when we read that text, that word predestined is the first thing we lock on, man. It's like our brains just do it. And I don't think I'm wrong in at least going with a broad definition of that word. We get into the nitty-gritty if you want. I probably wouldn't disagree with you because my first statement would be I don't really know outside of the fact God wins. It's predestined. If he can take Jacob and use him for the furtherance of a future kingdom, then what can he do with you who believes? And not only believes, but has the Son of God and the Holy Spirit in you. Brothers is the word I want, among many brothers, that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. And that leads us to Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. Once again, I believe that you can know this morning that you are saved, that you are one of those brothers, if you'll allow me to add, sisters of Jesus, the firstborn. He did it first, right? I, I think about how many times my brother, my little brother, has benefited from his older brother 
not being very smart, right? He, he was good at watching and observing and realizing, hey, that was dumb that Travis did that. I'm not going to do that, or at least I'm going to figure out a way where I don't have to get caught. And so if my little brother can learn from his ignorant older brother, what can we learn from the Son of God who is our brother? And not because I claimed him as my brother, but he claimed me first. He claimed you as a sister first. And if he claimed Jacob and he claimed Isaac and he said, hey, regardless of whether you want to be on this train or not, or regardless of you understand everything that's going on, I'm still the big brother. And I've picked you. And I've chosen you, right? You can't pick on my little brother, but I can. I can say the exact same thing that you said, but because I'm his brother, I can say it and I'll beat you up if you say it. Ever hit you that Satan in Hebrew means the accuser? Jesus says, you don't get to say that about my brothers and sisters. I'll show you how much value they have to me. That's big, y'all. That's big. And so it adds another level to while we were yet sinners, while we were still those knothead little brothers and sisters, Jesus had a real understanding of that, right? Didn't his own brothers? They didn't believe Oh, just go on up there and die and show us who you really are, right? I mean, that's kind of what they're saying. We know that one came to a different conclusion, right, at the end. I can imagine it would be difficult. Somebody showed up to me and said, Hey, Kevin's the son of God, by the way. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I've seen him throw up and be sick and be whiny and need stuff. That's not the son of God. The same thing was true when they said, Jesus was crucified. A dead Messiah? That makes zero sense. That's the opposite of a Messiah. Like those things don't go together. And Paul shows up and says, the same Messiah that you crucified, or Peter says, the same Messiah that you crucified has risen. You can't kill him. He's not going anywhere. And instead of using that to punish you and wanting to punish you, he's used that to save you. Why not today? Why not? Every excuse you possibly got just got blew up by Scripture. Think about it. While you were yet sinners, while you were still those not-headed kids that didn't believe and didn't do what you were supposed to do and rebelled against God who were hostile towards God, He came to save you from yourself. Galatians 4.23 But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, this using Hagar and Sarah, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Promise. Even when Sarah, right, the one whom the chosen one would come through, is in a sense hostile towards the plan. This is the body with whom Isaac is going to come through. I don't know that you could be any more rebellious to the plan. God says, oh no, this is happening. It's happening. You can't even stop it, and you're the house of how this is going to work. It's phenomenal. It's amazing. And I'm sure Sarah in the long run was like, hey, I'm really glad you uh, didn't listen to me. You ever had that? I've had prayers before that. I went back and go, Lord, you got me on that one. Boy, I really am glad that you didn't listen to me or at least didn't take what I was saying to heart. 
I didn't know what I was asking for. I didn't know what was really going on. I didn't have a grasp of that. We see that played out. It says, the child of promise. We give those spies a hard time, right? We can't take the land. And Joshua and Caleb show up and go, it's in the name. The promised land. It's the name. It's like going to Disney World and being shocked that Mickey Mouse shows up. Oh, what? What? I didn't, uh, this is your, okay. But we do that to God. I have saved you. Well, I just don't know. I don't know if you did or not. I don't know if you got that ability or not. It's the promise. All the way back to Genesis. All the way back to Genesis. Verse 28 through 29. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise, but just at the same time, at the time, he who was born according to flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. So also it is now, but what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. You could go ahead and say we are children of the Spirit, which is more powerful than any law or policy or lie that we've believed. There's nothing that gets it done like Jesus gets it done. And now we live in this era. I don't want to call it era because the Spirit was working with Jesus. The Spirit was working with the Father in the Old Testament. We in our minds like to departmentalize those things. But let's call it like it is. God is at work 24-7, 365. And He can use His, his Spirit. He can use His Son. He can use His Word. He can use that really annoying twerp that you go to work with. You're like, man, this guy's driving me nuts to teach you about the kingdom. The seed... The mustard seed. If you take a pen and you dot your hand, that's about the size of a mustard seed, and it says it grows and it becomes like a tree, and the fowl of the air come and land on it. And the fowl of the air is basically the birds that nobody wants in their garden. The kingdom of God, he says, is like that. It's for everybody who's willing to listen, and not only listen, but understand and do. So this morning... All of us are in that same boat, right? We've all heard the truth, uh, even through my ignorance and my inefficiency. So what are you going to do with it? That's always the question. What are you going to do with it? This morning, if you're a Christian, then hopefully you're looking to the authority of Scripture, not me. I don't have any. You're allowing the Spirit to, to move you and mold you into a better image of the excellency of Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian then there's a huge decision that you have to make. But all the heavy lifting has been done. doesn't mean your life's going to be easy. It just means that you'll never be alone in it. You'll never be forsaken by Jesus because He knew and knows what you're capable of before He ever came. And so there's no sin that's too great for Him to overcome if you'll just lay it at His feet, if you'll just give it up. And I'll be honest with you, that sounds simple. But simple does not equate easy. So if you're struggling... And we can encourage you in any way. Why don't you do that and let us know while we stand and sing.